0: He sent uh, Pastor Todd and I t-shirts recently, and on the t-shirt it says, discipleship. It's simple, it's just hard. (laughs) And I love that phrase because it's so true. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, someone who is a learner, someone who is a student under the master teacher Jesus. And it's really, really difficult because he demands all of us Not some of us, not part of us, not just who we are on Sunday, but every part of who we are surrendered to who Jesus is and following in his footsteps is what a disciple is, and it's really difficult to do on a regular basis. But it's also really simple as well. And here's what I love about that. That's why we're kicking off this message series last week, week, entitled Simple, because, yes, following Jesus, giving up our whole self is difficult, but Jesus, he makes it simple in that he gives us four main environments throughout the Gospels that we see that if we firmly plan ourselves in those environments, we will become more like Christ on a natural, everyday basis, And so Charles, our Norwalk campus pastor, was here last week. He kicked off the message, and he looked at the row and the chair. We're in the row together here. The chair is spending time with Jesus one-on-one every single day in our favorite spot, whatever chair that is. Pastor Todd will be here next week looking at the circle and why we grow best together But I'm going to be looking at the last part of this message called go, actually doing something with our faith because we can be in the row, we can be in the circle, we can uh, be in our chair time, but if we don't do something with our faith, we're missing out on God's call to go and to do something and allow people to be changed by our involvement in their lives. And I can't think of a better way to kick off our time together than to tell you about Linda Wilson Allen. Linda Wilson Allen is a bus driver in San Francisco. Now, being a bus driver, I imagine that must be filled with a lot of inconveniences, You are picking up passengers every single day who probably could care less about you. They're probably a little bit irritable, maybe angry or frustrated or in a rush to try to get to work or try to go to school or try to go to the grocery store. And so she's incurring these irritable passengers on a daily basis. She has to deal with the maintenance that comes from if a bus breaks down in the middle of traffic, what is she going to do? Speaking of traffic jams, I cannot imagine how frustrating it must be to look uh, out and you're about to drive and just see wall to wall or car to car traffic. We get frustrated on a Sunday when people are leaving uh, our area here. How how frustrating that is with traffic. But can you imagine riding a bus in San Francisco? All these different inconveniences that Linda could have in her life, and life, and yet. When she looks at her job, she doesn't see it as an inconvenience. She doesn't look at it as a job. She looks at it as a calling. You see, Linda knows the names of her everyday passengers. She has gotten to know the people that come on her bus on a daily basis. Can you imagine having a really bad day and you're going on the bus and the bus driver greets you by name? That this bus driver has become like a friend, a familiar face that you can count on to care about you, your bus driver. How amazing that is. A story that sticks out to me about Linda's life that is the epitome of who she is happened when she was picking up a passenger by the name of Ivy. Ivy was an 80-year-old woman who just got done grocery shopping. And Ivy was about to be picked up by Linda and she had all these heavy bags and I, or Linda was in a rush to get to the next stop to make sure she was on time for the next passengers. But Linda, at that moment, seeing Ivy at the bottom of her bus, stopped the bus, put it in park, got out of her seat, walked down the bus, took Ivy's groceries from her, allowed Ivy to go have a seat, brought her those groceries to her, and allowed Ivy just to be a, a passenger who didn't have to worry about carrying these heavy groceries up the steps On this packed bus. After that happened, Ivy allows every bus to go past the bus stop until Linda pulls up, and she gets on Linda's bus now because she was an incredible lady to Ivy when she needed her. In fact, this is amazing. Now, once a month after her uh, bus driver duty gets over, she ends up going out with Ivy once a month and takes her to a grocery store, off the clock just to love on her. Now they have a mother-daughter relationship. Have you ever heard of that with a bus driver and a commuter? I I think of Tanya. Tanya was new to the area and when, uh, when Linda went to pick her up, she didn't know who Tanya was. She never met her in her life and so struck up a conversation with Tanya, realized that Tanya was new to the area, didn't have family around and so Linda took it upon herself to ask Tanya to come to her house for Thanksgiving because Tanya didn't have anywhere to go. And now, Linda, who and Tanya spent Thanksgiving with Linda's family, and now she's become family to Linda. She has a family member in her everyday bus driver. You see, here's the interesting part. Linda, as she is picking up commuters, unbeknownst to her, has been picking up a commuter who wrote for the San Francisco Chronicle. And she watched how Linda changed people's lives And on the bus, he got the idea of writing an article about her. Now, if you were to open the paper and read about a bus driver, you might say, oh, it's not interesting. But what he wrote about how this bus driver was making an impact and people's lives was incredible. And in the midst of this article, this is what the author writes. Linda's mood is set at 2.30 a.m., when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30 minutes, the Chronicle states. And she says, there's a lot to talk about with the Lord, says Wilson Allen, a member of Glad Tidings Church in Hayward. I don't know if the author of this article knew she was a Christ follower, but it doesn't matter. What matters is whoever knew that she was and whoever didn't know that she was, Linda lived this out in her everyday lives yeah being a disciple is hard and and doing the grind of being a bus driver today must be so difficult but she did it with love and kindness and she reached out to people she recognized that her everyday life isn't just a job but it's a calling that's why linda's not just a bus driver she's a christ follower disguised as a bus driver you see the difference And when she goes out in her everyday life, she recognizes I am Jesus' first to do what I'm called to do, being a bus driver, to be his hands and feet to everyone who comes on my bus and goes off the bus. She's making an impact in everyday lives through her job as a bus driver. It reminds me a little bit of one of my favorite scenes in scripture in Isaiah chapter six. I love that we get to see a picture of the throne of God You see, a lot of times we approach Jesus as our BFF, our buddy, our friend, and it's true that he is, but oftentimes we diminish Jesus. We diminish who God is. We forget that God is holy, that he sits on his throne, that everything in the world's been created by him and sustained by him, and he sits on this throne, and there are angels whose job is to go around the throne, And continue to say holy, 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 because they can't get enough of this holy, incredibly huge and magnificent God. And we see this holy God interacting with his people. And it's interesting, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, he asks this question that we're going to put on the screen here. He says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us. Now right at this time, there's a guy named Isaiah. Isaiah doesn't just look at God as his buddy, he sees God in his holiness. (laughs) Holiness means to be set apart, to be perfect, to be utterly different. And he sees God on the throne and Isaiah looks at his life and he says, woe is me. I am unclean. I am not holy. I do not deserve a relationship with you, God, because you are holy and I am not. And Isaiah confesses this to God, and God touches Isaiah's life and he changes his life forever. He shows God, he shows Isaiah, excuse me, what life changing grace and mercy look like. Isaiah is changed. It's like you here. If you've been touched by God's grace, you become a different person. And Isaiah, he is different. And so when God says, who will go for us? Isaiah doesn't do probably what we would do. Like if we were in school and the teacher says, okay, raise your hand and answer this question. Oftentimes we're looking at other people praying the teacher doesn't ask us the answer, especially if we don't know it. (laughs) For Isaiah, he doesn't look around and say, oh, Pastor Charles, you look good, or Pastor Ryan or Spencer, whoever it is, why don't you go? Isaiah says, oh, man, I've been changed by God. I want to go tell my people about God's grace. Please, here I am, send me. That's his response to this life-changing grace in his life. I want to go to my people. My people keep turning their backs on God. I want to go tell them about grace. You see, Linda recognized that she's not just a bus driver. She's disguised as a bus driver to go out to answer the question, whom shall I send? She's like, send me. Isaiah sees his people floundering as they turn their backs on God. And when God says, Whom shall I send? He doesn't look around and look at someone else. Isaiah says, I'll answer that question by, Send me. You see, that question isn't just for Linda or just for Isaiah, it's for you and I. Who's going to go to your family? Who's going to go to your friends? Who's gonna go to your coworkers? Who's gonna go to the people that you have a relationship with? Because God says, I wanna send someone to them. Will you look around and say, I hope it's Eric? Well, I don't know your family. I don't know your friends. I don't know your coworkers. I can't, but you can. And so today, instead of looking at someone else and saying, I hope they go, or I don't know if I'm supposed to go, let me tell you, everyone is getting the question from God this morning, whom shall I send? I'm hoping by the end we all raise our hands and say, Lord, send me. I love, if you were to fast forward all the way to the end of the Bible and the book of Revelation, Jesus answers the question of how we should go. He's writing to these seven churches, one of them called uh, the Church in Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but Philadelphia, the church that was established. And as he's writing to this church, he explains how you and I ought to go. It's an incredible passage in Scripture, Revelation chapter 3. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, this is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. And then he says this, I know all things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Don't you love that phrase? I have opened a door that no one can close. That God has opened doors for us every single day that He is inviting us to walk through. The question is will we walk through those open doors? Because He's thinking of two categories of open doors in the context of this verse. The first is the open door of fellowship or relationship that we have between us. And God. How many of you in here make a lot of mistakes in your life? Will you raise your hand? Half of you, wow, the other half. <laughs> you just go home. You don't need this message, you don't need church. Man, if I were sitting there and someone asked me, I would be jumping up and down, raising my hand. How often I fail God? How often I sin in thought? in deed, and in words. How often I must grieve God's heart by the way I treat my wife or my kids or my friends sometimes. When Spencer read that verse, and he talks about he judges fairly and with equity, if I were to look at my life, I would be like, wow, God, I don't deserve you. In other words, you should just close the door to me. And there are times when I want to approach God because I want his fellowship. I want his relationship. But as I get closer to the door, I feel like God will just slam it in my face because of who I am and what I've done. And maybe you feel that way as well. You, you can definitely walk through the open door that God gives you if, you, if you're a good boy or a good girl. But if you're not doing well in your spiritual journey or you've made mistakes or you've hurt people in your lives, you feel like that door, as you get closer, God's gonna shut it in your face. But here's what it says. God opens a door that no one can close. In other words, God opens doors to us for relationship with him that not even your deepest, darkest secret can close. Here's how I know that. Because when Jesus came to this earth, and he climbed upon that cross. That cross is now, a. it, it opens doors. It's a door, uh, what are those things at the bottom of doors? Thank you, a doorstop. My mind's kind of crazy today. A doorstop where he opens the door. He puts the cross underneath of it as a doorstop and nothing can close it. That's the greatest part about God and his grace and his mercy. He opens the door to us even though we oftentimes close the door to God. He wants us to walk through that door of relationship, not because of what you and I've done, but because of what he has done. I love when I hear people say at work they have an open door policy. Come in anytime you want, no matter what it is. That's what God has with us. An open door policy. You're sitting here today and some of you are like, yeah, but Eric, you don't know what I did last night or this weekend or some of the things that I've done in my marriage or how I've done these things at my job. And God says, I don't care. The door is open because the cross comes through and let's talk about it together. Are you walking through those open doors that God is providing for you every day? It's the key to discipleship. Following Jesus as being with Jesus. Walk through that door with him. So we have this vertical door between us and God that's always open because the cross acts as a doorstop between us and God. But there's relational doors as well. Open doors that God has specifically created and opened for us so that we can walk through them so we can enter into relationship with people to be like Linda, to be like Isaiah, to be his hands and feet in specific ways in our lives. John Ortberg He's a pastor out in California, and he wrote this book. And he calls it, All the Places to Go, How Will You Know? Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. It is, kind of. It's in memory of him. And, and he wrote this book, and here's what he defines an open door as. It's, an open door is a beginning, an opportunity, but it has no guaranteed ending. And feeling ready, well, that's overrated. God is looking for obedience, There are people in this room, sometimes me included, where you see the open door of opportunity. You see that God has created this open door to walk through in order to be his hands and feet in specific areas of our lives. And for many of us, we see the open door and we want to walk through, but we're scared because we don't know the result. We don't know the final outcome. We don't know the response of that person or what it will cost us or what it'll mean for our lives. And so we stare at the open door in fear. We stare at the open door scared. We stare at the open door and worrying about what ifs. And you know what I love about our God? He sees how weak we are and how feeble our faith is. And he recognizes that in the verse we just read, because watch what he says at the end of this. I've opened doors that no one can close, However, you have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and you did not deny me. Tim Keller puts it this way, it's not the strength of your faith, it's the object of your faith that matters the most. And so some of us, we're, we're at a door and we're like, I don't have the strength to walk through, I don't know what's going to happen and Jesus says, you know, when I describe faith in the Gospels, I describe it as this little itty bitty seed, this mustard seed. If you plant it in obedience, and you trust me with it, even despite your fears, even despite your doubts, I will grow something incredible. But you and I, we have to walk through the open doors of opportunities, If you are a Christ follower and you feel comfortable in the row and feel comfortable in the chair and you feel comfortable in your circle of disciples, your circle of friends that are Christians, and we don't take risks and we don't go and do something with our faith, then our faith doesn't really matter much. We control it, but God's not in control of it. It's time for us to start walking through these doors of opportunities, trusting God. If he'll open it, he'll see us through to the end as well. And so what I want to do for the next few moments, I want to give you three open-door opportunities that God is calling us to walk through as Christ followers at the chapel today. And the first door is to go through the open door of joining the Dream Team. If you were at our volunteer kickoff about a week ago or so, you heard this phrase, and I wanna explain it to the rest of our church today. This is the cover of a 1992 illustration, or a cover of Sports Illustrated, and there are five really, really, really good basketball players on this cover, if you know anything about basketball. You have Barkley, you have Ewing, you have Karl Malone, you have Magic Johnson, and this scrub named Michael Jordan. He was just added to the team, you know. No, he's the best in the team. And the reason that they were the best team ever is because all of these NBA players decided to come together in 1992 and go to the Olympic Games and try to win a gold for the United States. And it was the first time ever that the NBA All-Stars joined together to do this. And so all of these incredible NBA All-Stars, more that aren't even on this cover, got together, and dominated the world and came back with a gold medal. And journalists at that time called it the greatest team ever assembled and thus nicknamed the Dream Team. And as I look out at the chapel, at all three of our campuses, in Sandusky, and Norwalk, and here in Port Clinton, I look at a Dream Team that I believe is the greatest team ever Assembled. And therefore, I need us to stop saying a cuss word that we say too often in this church. And that cuss word is the word volunteer. And the way I hear it in a sentence is I'm just a volunteer. I don't see that in scripture. And that's not how we look at you from our pastoral team and our staff's perspective. You are the dream team. One of my greatest privileges of serving at the chapel is to go out into the community. And if I'm at the grocery store, if I'm in a kids' ball game, I just performed a wedding way far away last week. I had someone come up to me and recognize me from the chapel. They say to me, I love your church. I love the chapel. And when I interact, after I say, I love my church too, I don't think about the message that I taught that weekend. I don't think about the music, though I really, really love our music here. I don't think about our programs. I don't think about our beautiful buildings. I don't think about anything else. I think of the people. Those in this room who are part of the dream team. You are not just a volunteer. The other phrase that we need to have eradicated from our speech, because I'm sorry, it actually hits a nerve every time I hear it is if there's a need, whether it's a serving need or a giving need or an opportunity that God's asking us to walk through as a church, oftentimes people will say, well, that's why the chapel has pastors and staff. Let me tell you, I believe our pastors and our staff are top-notch. But let me ask you a rhetorical question. How are we supposed to serve 3,000 people's needs? inside the walls, and so many more outside the walls that we'll get to in a moment. Our staff, our pastors are equipped to help serve the needs, but if it falls on our team to do that, then we might as well just close up the church because we won't be able to function as God is calling us to function as. Because when Paul is writing to the Corinthian church on what God's dream team looks like, look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, and then sums it up later in verse 27. Paul says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. That, those three words, each of you, is key here. Because I think sometimes we look around and we see needs have been filled and everything's working well, and yet it doesn't matter if that were the case. It's not the case, by the way. But even if it were the case I don't care if every need inside the walls were fulfilled. If you were on the sidelines, we are not obeying what God says here to each of you. All of us, all 3,000 of us at the chapel should be serving in a way that brings together the body so it function in its greatest capacity. Because you know what's interesting? You never recognize your toes until something hurts. I don't ever walk around thinking, man, I really love my toes. I'm so glad they're working today. But when I stub a toe, it's all I can think about. (laughs) I am so angry because I'm I'm limping now. I'm not functioning as I ought. And so it is with the church. When you do not serve in the area that God has created you to serve in with your gifting and your personality, And you're calling on your life. We limp as a church. Everything else may be going great, but that one spot that you were created for, it's missing because you and I are called to go through those open doors, whether it's on a stage like this, but most of the time it's off the stage, behind the scenes, doing things to make sure we're functioning as we ought. That's why we're the dream team and we need people to get off the sidelines and join the team. So if you have a welcome program, would you get that out for me? If you don't, I'm going to call you out in front of everybody. Okay, no, I won't do that. There are extra sheets available as you leave. There's a sheet inside. It's usually our, our, our teaching notes. If you follow along, you're like, what is this? Well, I tricked you this morning. I gave you a list on your teaching notes that looks similar to this that we'll put on the screen here. These are the needs of the church inside of our Port Clinton campus. And every one of those teams has a spot that has holes. And again, I'm not here to beg you to serve. I am here to tell you, when you don't walk through the open door that God has opened, not only do we miss out, guess what, you miss out. Because you know what's great about serving? Oftentimes, I think it's about the other person. When I walk away, I'm like, man, (laughs) I feel guilty how good I feel right now. God does something when we play our part. And so what I want you to do in, in that sheet is if you see a spot that you're not serving at the church and God is calling you to do that, will you take the next few moments, literally check it off, and put it in our giving boxes on the way out and someone will be in contact with you. If you are here and you're like, Eric, I'm already on the dream team, pray for someone that isn't so they see the value that you see. So for the next few moments, let's, let's take time to do that together. Guys, more time, obviously, after the service, you can bring that sheet back next week. But if you're here today and, and uh, you can turn the music down now, thank you, uh, If you're here today and there's certain things on there, like you don't want to serve in kids' ministry because you don't like kids, that's probably a good spot for you not to serve. And like for me, it's up there like construction helpers. If I were to join that team after a while, the construction helper lead would say, Eric, I think you're called to another team. But it doesn't matter if you're good with kids, good with construction, you can sing, you can take pictures, you're good at the parking lot. There is something for everyone. We need you to play your part. Be on the dream team. Go through the open door of joining it. The second one that I want to look at this morning with you is to go through the open doors of your everyday life. When we think Of a missionary, we often think of someone who's across the ocean serving in a third world country, sharing the gospel with people that don't know Jesus and meeting their physical and spiritual needs. And that is what a missionary does. But that is not the definition of a missionary. A missionary is someone who recognizes that they are called to walk through their open doors of everyday life to go to be God's hands and feet and impact people for him. Because guess what? God is not going to get on a blowhorn this morning from heaven and say, I love you. But he'll do it through you if you're willing to walk through the open doors that God gives you. You want to be a missionary? You want to be like Linda? You want to be like Isaiah? If you're a husband here, you're not a husband. You're a Christ follower, disguised as a husband. Your wife needs you to be Jesus' hands and feet. That's what you're called to be. What an everyday opportunity to go through the open door. Same if you're a wife. If you're a father or a mother, you're not a father or mother. You're a Christ follower disguised as a parent, disguised as a grandparent, disguised as a coach to impact kids for him. People should walk away from our interactions in their everyday lives and walk away and think, man, that sure felt like an interaction with Jesus himself. There are open-door opportunities at your work at the gym that you work out with, on social media, in your everyday lives, and we don't walk through those doors because honestly, if I can be transparent with you, we're selfish. We want other, don't you want other people to walk through the open doors and serve you? How about we lead and serve others first and let God take care of the rest for us? Let's not be selfish. Let's walk through the open doors of our everyday lives so we can be the hands and feet of those that God has given us influence over. And finally, I want to end with this one. Go through the open door of the world at large around you. I just want to give you stories and opportunities for the next few moments. For instance, these are our students in our high school ministry. I love that 180 high school ministry is kicking off tonight. Oh, it's going to be great. These are some students that saw an open door to serve in our community, and they walked through it. I love when we see our students doing something with our faith. These are pictures of our Norwalk campus who participated in Love Norwalk last month, who passed out book bags and socks and gave haircuts and pizza and allowed kids to have fun in order at the end everyone heard the gospel and walked away from an event that may never go to church and walked away saying, wow, God loves me. That was an open door that our Norwalk campus walked through. Last week, this is Daryl Strawberry and Pastor Jay interviewing him. We were able to open up the doors to our community at our Sandusky campus. And those who were affected by addiction were able to walk through and be touched by our heart for the community through Daryl Strawberry's testimony and his desire to see people healed. We get an opportunity as a church Beginning September 28th and 29th, we're asking people to warm the homeless. When you look around, you don't see the homeless, but they're there. Some people have a home, but they're considered homeless because they are very, very poor, and they need our gently used Coats and jeans and hats and scarves, a.k.a. all the things shoved in the back of our closet that we would never miss if someone took them out anyways. Instead of letting uh, you have uh, less closet space, how about you create more by coming in with bags and bags of clothes to donate to those who have nothing? There are some of us today that looked in our closet and we had 50 shirts to pick out from. There's a lot of them, they have two. Let's increase that. Let's bring in that as a church, September 28th and 29th. How about this? In our backyard here in Ottawa County, there's a special needs prom that's happening in December. Wouldn't that be great to go through the open door and serve these friends of ours who look forward to this every year to be God's hands and feet? There's a Facebook group that you can join that you can contact or call this phone number, We have people here, we'll have one of our worship team members up here that was just singing, that wants to talk to you about that. I'm going to be there. They said they need guys to dance with some of the ladies. I am going to be there. I'm serious. My wife and I have it on the calendar. I want to serve our community. What a great opportunity to serve those who don't have a lot to look forward to, but they sure look forward to this. Or there's Habitat for Humanity. A new home in Port Clinton on Walnut Street. They need help on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You may say, Eric, I'm like you. I don't have construction abilities. Well, they need food. Why not be a blessing from the chapel and go there and get a shovel or get a hammer or bring a meal to those in this uh, this community who's building a home for a single mom? And then starting November, we're going to start releasing all of our world opportunities in Burundi and in Mexico and so many different places that we need to walk through the open door to be Jesus' hands and feet. There's not a shortage of open doors in this church, in your life, and in the world. God's not going to push you through it, but he'll walk you through it as you take your leap of faith, to go through it by faith and allow him to complete it with you. Because he has a lot he wants to do through you. The question is, will you and I go through those open doors? Let's pray together. Father, we never have an excuse. We never can say, well, there's nothing I can do. Oh my goodness, God. I could have spent two hours up here explaining what we can do individually, to walk through these open doors to go. Linda said, here I am, send me, Lord. Isaiah said, here I am, send me, Lord. You're asking the question, will we answer it? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.